Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you caring for an aging loved one? Are you a senior searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And now, America's Senior Care Consultant, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, your Senior Care Consultant, and I really appreciate you tuning in today. And if you're new to the program, welcome. And if this is your hundredth time listening to the program, welcome back. We appreciate everyone. We have a lot of seniors listening to the program. We have a lot of caregivers caring for an elderly loved one who also listen to the program. And there's also a large and growing third group tuning into the program very frequently, maybe weekly or maybe catching the podcast, professionals working in senior care. So for everyone, again, welcome to Senior Care Live, and you are appreciated. We have an excellent program for you here today. My friend and special guest, he's not in studio, he's out on the road working, uh, he's, he's working all the time, uh, Mr. Bruce Glenn, he's the CIO and owner of the Glenn team at Infinitas, and Bruce, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks a lot, Steve, glad to be here. I also want to thank my daughter, Christina, Strickland for being on the show for me last uh, month and and did a great job and so appreciate her stepping in. She's one of the foremost female advisors in our industry. Yeah, she she did a great job. I enjoyed working with her. And uh, uh, anytime you need someone to sub, uh, pinch hit, uh, a designated hitter, you know all the baseball terminology. Uh, she she she's a good one. She did a great job. Super. All right, so. Let's uh, let's talk about something. This is really, really interesting, and I, I'm glad that we're going to be talking about this today. Uh, so you said that for the Glenn team, it's behavioral finance month. So I, you know, everyone's heard a lot about you know, behavioral health and, and a lot of things, but behavioral finance month, that is very interesting. All of our actions come down to our behaviors, and, uh, and there's a lot to unpack there. But So let's just start off with the question, what is behavioral finance? Thanks, Steve. Great question. So <clears throat> behavioral finance is the emotions of investing, or think about it as the way you psychologically think about your money and investing. And uh, it's one of those things that if you're not handling things correctly, like the outside uh, news, uh, which, of course, the job is to be very scary and to keep you tuned in, but in the process of making it scary to tune into their uh, their TV or radio um, then people oftentimes do the wrong things. So it's about staying invested at the right risk that you should be. It's about doing the right things. You're having an emergency fund. Uh, all the things are the correct uh, uh, behavioral items that you need to do when you're talking about your money. So you know, a lot of times when people get scared, they will, when the markets go down, which they have been down for about a year and a half, although they're climbing back up about halfway back up to previous highs at this point, a lot of times people get scared and they will, you know, sell out. They can't handle it any longer. They'll sell out their good investments or stock market investments. 
And then at that point, they've locked in the losses because they no longer own the investments that historically have always rebounded. So that's very, very important that people don't uh, don't freak out and, and don't uh, psychologically do the wrong things when the markets are bad, the news is bad in this type of, a, of an era. Well, you know, the the news, they they drive a lot of fear, and fear produces control. And unfortunately, it does affect our behavior. And then when you start to affect behavior when it comes to finances, financially, I mean, that can be devastating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you if you one of those people that, that get scared and you get out of, the, out of your investments, your stock market investments, when the market's down, and then when people get back in, they don't typically get back in until the markets are making new highs. And so at that point, you create the pattern of selling low and buying high, and that's never a good recipe for financial success. That's that's kind of uh, exactly backwards of what ideally you would like to happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, and what that tells me also is if someone is listening to, you know, all of the fear mongering and then they have this knee jerk reaction, to me, um, that also tells me something about their financial advisor, not keeping that person educated, calm, looking at the long term, talking about your options, advising against selling low and buying high. To, to me, that's also uh, that behavior is a reflection of their advisor. Well, it, it can be. Um, people do need to be coachable. That's one of the things about our team is we'll work with folks that are, uh, you know, friendly, coachable, and uh, we don't put a big ass to test on them as far as how much money they have. As long as they're serious about their money, we've got folks that are, you know, from early investors up to folks that are, you know, partial owners of an NBA, of an NBA team. So we've got, you know, all different levels of finance, but they need to be have the right long-term investment mentality and, uh, and be friendly to work with and, and really be serious about their money. You know, we were talking uh, earlier this week when you and I were doing a speaking engagement down in Wichita, and I was uh, sharing a handout on the recessions. And uh, this is one thing that the news is really, really beating the drum on right now is they're trying to scare people into thinking we're going to have a big, massive recession. And uh, it's kind of a unique time now, whereas uh, people are actually working. We have really low unemployment. There have been some layoffs and some job losses in certain sectors of the economy. But overall, unemployment is still historically way low. And uh, companies overall are making uh, good profits. And um, recessions typically only last about 10 months. And, but expansion times in our economy last, on average, 69 months. And so uh, about roughly a 7-to-1 ratio of expansion times versus recessions. And the recessions are only down about you know, one-tenth as far as, as the economy drop-off during a recession versus the expansion time during uh, you know, good times in the markets and the overall you know, government uh, measurement, the GDP. And so the, um, that is just a, a product of the news media just really trying to keep the viewership up there and scaring the heck out of people. But, you know, I don't believe we're going to have much of a recession. Um, and in, in the technical words, it may be a recession, but I don't think it's going to be any kind of a deep recession. So it's not really a thing that people should be overly fearful about at this time. And, you know, when we did that, that presentation, that was a blast, wasn't it, earlier in the week? Uh, but you, you mentioned some numbers, and I, I went to write them down, and I couldn't find my pen. So, uh, but talk, <laughs> talk about, you know, before the financial woes, the stock market was at, I think you said 37, it dropped to 28, and it's halfway back. Can, can you just touch on that briefly? Yeah, absolutely. So and the stock market, a lot of people, you know, you've got the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and you have the S&P 500, and you have the NASDAQ. Those are kind of the three main, you know, equity or stock indexes that people follow in the United States. The Dow Jones 
the previous high was around roughly 37,000, and that was around uh, August to late 2020-21. But then uh, September of 2022, you know, so just about, you know, seven, eight months ago, the market had a bad drop-off. It was, you know, one of those situations where some news items had come out and the Fed was speaking, you know, ugly language, and the market dropped down. The Dow Jones dropped down to around 28,000. You know, right now we're in that 33, 34,000 range. So we're about halfway back up between the, the more recent bottom from the prior high. Uh, so that's what I was talking about with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Yeah, and and I th- I think and the, the the Dow Jones Industrial Average isn't the end all be all, but I think a lot of people watch that and then that drives some of the fear concerns and then the behavior, which could turn into some pretty uh, consequential actions of, of selling low. So what what should people do for a recovery strategy out of the market downturn? Yeah, have a great question, Steve. And, and I didn't I didn't answer something else a little bit. Uh, I want to jump back. Oh, okay, briefly. okay, so sure, sure, sure. You're talking about uh, communication. So that's one thing that we do at the Glenn team at Infinitas is we we put a lot of good content out there for our clients, and we also uh, send a lot of good content out for my buddy Brad McMillan, who's also on the on the TV a lot, and our our chief economist out of Boston, <clears throat> and. Um, uh, you know, this particular month, we, we take a lot of additional care and a lot of different comments. But throughout the year, we have different campaigns on different t- topics. But, you know, we, we're always putting information out there in all of the meetings and we work with prospects. We want to make sure that they understand how the right mentality for that long-term investing. So that is very, very important that the advisor set the stage uh, so that people understand it's a long-term process and not a short-term. But back to your question, and thanks again, Steve, the recovery strategy. So you want to make sure you've got really, really good quality investments. And you want to, you know, another thing about it is you want to avoid spending if you can. So hopefully you've got an emergency fund set up. So when the markets are down, if you can avoid spending when the market's down or maybe maybe tamper back your spending a little bit, that's a big help. But you want to make sure you have really good quality investments, make sure they're rated very high, like five-star rating by Morningstar, that they're beating their peer groups, that those investments are beating their indexes, that the fees are fair and reasonable and you're not paying retail. A lot of people have no idea that they're a retail investment. So these are some things that we can do is run a really nice report for folks and share with them and educate them on what they have and if there's any holes. You know, they may have too much money in certain categories or there may be some categories that they're totally not covered at all and they need to have. And then we want to make sure it's at the right risk level for them. But it's really critical that you don't reduce your risk as far as the, the stock market exposure when the market's down. And a lot of people, you know, tend to want to do that, but you need okay. to stay the course. All Go right. ahead, Steve. Oh, no, no, that, that, is, that is excellent. Bruce, hold that thought because I've got the Senior Care Live Question of the Week, and then we're going to circle back with Bruce right after the break. The Senior Care Live Question of the Week, when people get older, are they, A, confident about their money lasting, B, not confident about their money lasting, C, uncertain about their money lasting, or D, they don't worry about it too much at all. What do you think? You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. When people get older, are they A, 
confident about their money lasting, B, not confident about their money lasting, C, uncertain about their money lasting, or D, they don't really worry about it too much. And the answer is... C, uncertain about their money lasting. And Bruce... Why is there so much uncertainty? I guess maybe we addressed that in the first segment. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's actually uh, about age 50. It seems to be a magic moment about behavioral finance. People don't really think that retirement's a reality for them. We're eternally optimistic. We're going to live forever. But all of a sudden, when people turn around age 50, they realize, gee, retirement is actually a reality. It's going to happen at some point. And, um, you know, somewhere around 10% of folks you know, feel like they're pretty confident they're going to have enough money to last through their retirement, through their their life expectancy. You know, about 25% may uh, have enough, but they're really just not sure, but they, they at least have looked at it. And then, like you said, an awful lot of people are just not really sure or not really uh, tuned into that fact yet. So it is it is pretty scary out there. It's certainly better to know than not know if your money's going to last. Well, and I'll tell you what, something else magical um, not necessarily on the real happy side, <laughs> happens uh, when you turn 50. Uh, I do recall my 50th birthday. I was, first of all, super happy that I'm here to celebrate that. Very thankful for good health and all those sort of things. But all of a sudden, you kind of understand there's a mortality uh, issue here. Uh, all of a sudden, a lot of things just change the way you look at it. And like you said, that that you can flip that switch, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I am going to be retiring before too long. Oh, well, I guess I better do something about that. So, look, for, for our listeners, if uh, it, first of all, if you are a client with the Glenn team at Infinitas, you're not flopping around in the wind out there. You're not going up and down depending on every single you know news article that, that you hear or read. The Glenn team, they are experts at the behavioral side of things. And so you can it, you're not you're not scared if you understand. And that takes a lot of education. The Glenn team at Infinitas, they're excellent expert educators, big time. I mean, big time. So let's compare that to, let's say, if you have a financial advisor you haven't heard from, from 6, 12, maybe a couple of years, maybe he or she doesn't even work at the, there, and, and you are out here in the wind. It is time to make a change, or at least consider making a change. And I would highly recommend anywhere in the country reaching out to Bruce and the great team at the Glenn team at Infinitas, 913 563 7327. That's 913 563 7327. And Bruce can give you a second opinion. They can run an analysis free of charge, no pressure. And I promise you, you're going to be very, very impressed. So, all right. So, Bruce, how can, how can people learn if their money will last? Yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. So, we have a really good report, as you kind of mentioned there, that we can take a good look at how much money they currently have, if they're still saving towards retirement, uh, how, at what pace they're saving at, uh, how is their money invested in terms of different categories and, and expected historical returns on those particular categories, uh, when they want to retire, uh, what Social Security is likely to add for them, or if they have other pensions or other outside income, maybe some farm income or some rental income or those type things, and factor that all in, look at their longevity. 
And this report will uh, it will combine everything and it will take into consideration the, uh, again, expected rates of return based on how you're invested. It'll look at the inflation, which, of course, that's a huge thing right now. It'll look at your required minimum distributions. And um, we can look, and it gives us a really nice year-by-year cash flow analysis and output. And if there's expense challenges, we can maybe make some suggestions on how you can tighten up the expenses and, and kind of realign your budget as needed. And so all that can kind of go into that. But it's really important to make sure you have confidence that you're on the right path and then keep that plan updated as well. So, you know, every time we meet with our clients, um, at least minimum once a year on that particular plan, we want to update that. And then and something else is a, from a tax standpoint strategy, and we were talking about this this week, at that speaking, uh, we did a couple of speaking engagements earlier this week, and we were uh, talking about Roth conversions. And a lot of times, the advisor will just throw out the, the word Roth conversion. It's kind of like a magic buzzword to impress people. But the reality of it is, a lot of advisors don't realize that you need to pay for that Roth conversion, ideally from money that's not. Uh, you know, you're going to convert pre-tax money to a Roth after-tax tax shelter. But it's best if you can pay your taxes from non. Uh, IRA money or non-401k money. <clears throat> that way you're not doubled down on your tax problem you're creating. And, and, and then you've got to know if it's going to work in the long run. And then, you know, timing your Social Security is critical as well. So a lot of things go into that. Okay, excellent. And then, uh, again, earlier this week, and just just for everyone listening, Bruce and I, uh, we, we put together a pretty darn good uh, presentation talking about senior care, talking about finances, and then putting the two things together. It was very well received, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, and, and if you're interested in the Steve and the Bruce show, give, give me a call. Maybe we can make a presentation to your group as well. But, uh, Bruce, uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I know it's a, it's a big uh, subject, but you had a great example, and you referred to that as a sequence of returns. Yeah, that's, that's really important. So the example I used was where we had two people that retired at the same age and had the same amount of money invested and had the same type of investment, same same amount of money in the stock market, similar portfolios. But just because one retires six months before the other one and the timing of the market, so when, when the first person retired, the markets were at a pretty good level and then the markets had gone down pretty far. And, and then six months later, the market kind of bottomed out and that's when the other person retired. And and um, <clears throat> converted some pension money into the into the markets, and the person that had retired first, and um, they they weren't able to, to slow down their spending during that downturn, and that money eventually ran out on them. And the other person bought in at the low point, and their money grew to multiples of thousands of millions of dollars. So just the luck of when they retired was it was a big thing. So this is a, a you know you can find that out on the internet. It, it's a really good um, an analogy, and and, and uh, you can look at it. But it's very important to understand the sequence of returns. So that kind of leads me to my last thing I'd like to talk about for sure, and, and then anything else you might have. But make sure that your needs include an emergency fund. So when the markets are down, if you can avoid taking money out of your investments and live off some emergency money, that's a, a big help. Uh, along with your you know make sure you got enough money coming in for your core needs, your 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 clothes, your housing, your food, uh, utilities, all the core things you have to have, and then try and, you know, mentally or behavioral finance, know that wants aren't necessarily needs. A lot of times I see folks at retirement age or pre-retirement where they think that their their wants of maybe putting kids, grandkids through college or wanting that boat or that second house or traveling, you know, they'll, they'll kind of mentally make that a, a, a need. Right. And uh, when times are rough, you got to be careful about that. 
Excellent information, Mr. Bruce Glenn. He's the CIO and owner of the Glenn team at Infinitas. Anywhere across the country, this is the phone number you would call, 913-563-7327. Reach out to Bruce and the great team. You will be excited when you learn all of the information that they're going to share and, and get a second opinion. It's definitely worth the call for sure. Bruce, safe travels to you, and uh, I, I hope that you have a, a wonderful weekend. And tell Mary hello for me. Will do, and thanks a lot, Steve and Sean. Thanks for the work back in the studio. Appreciate that. You guys take care. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thank you, and we'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. Stick around. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For podcasts of the program, go to SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're going to shift gears here, and I want to talk about assisted living. It's just, it's a huge topic. It's a huge need. And as as we had talked about in the previous part of the program, Bruce and I made a, a presentation to a, a, a couple of presentations earlier in the week, this, uh, this week in Wichita, and uh, and 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 it was it went over very well and very informative. But you know, a, a lot of questions come up around assisted living, and I've always said this is the second most difficult level of care for the average person, the average family out there to navigate to try to try to figure it out and see if it's the right fit for them, and see which place is the right fit for them. So let's talk about the definition of assisted living. So first of all, it is a social model. It is not, I'll repeat, not a medical model. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a tremendous amount of support at the assisted living level of care. It's just not medically based per se. So it's a social model. It's designed to help you with your and here we go with the acronymology in, in healthcare with your ADLs. ADL, if you hear that term, that stands for activities of daily living. So they can help you minimally or fully with getting dressed, taking a shower. They can help you with your grooming. They can help you use the toilet, right? So go to the bathroom. They can also help out to a certain level, and they're all a little bit different, with incontinence management, okay? All of those are this, just these activities of daily living, the daily tasks. They all provide meals, like, like all three, all three meals, all the snacks throughout the day, all of the hydration, all the different drinks and everything. They provide all of that. You don't have to worry about that anymore. They have a full slate of activities for meaningful social engagement and entertainment, just having some fun. They also, this one is huge, they distribute your medicine. They make sure that you get your medications on time. And 
I don't know about you, but I mean, once in a while, I'll I'll forget. I'm like, oh, did I take my meds or not? <laughs> right? It's it's so. I mean, it it can happen to anyone at any at any age. Okay. So, but the older you are, the more important it is to get your medicine on time, to take it accurately, and all of those sort of things. So that that's really really important. There are physicians that will come to the assisted living community and see you right there in your apartment or in in that community. So essentially, the doctors make house calls in that in that context. There's transportation to take you out of the building to doctor's appointments, seeing specialists, etc., and and also outside activities and a lot of other things. So we've got the transportation down, and um, there's that's that's a lot of help. That's a lot of help. They can also offer what's called a one person transfer. And what that means is if the resident has enough strength to where between with with their own efforts and the assistance of one staff you can move from point A to point B. All of them can provide that. All of them can provide that. Now, I I'm going to talk, you know, maybe next week about some of the things that could get you a discharge from the assisted living level. And so we'll just throw out a little teaser here. <laughs> One of those things could be requiring a two-person transfer. So maybe you don't have enough strength to uh, to provide a, a, a little bit of effort, and it takes two staff or maybe even a mechanical lift to help you move from point A to point B. Most assisted living communities cannot accommodate that. They're just not staffed for it. Now, with that being said, there are some that will and and, and can, and, and, and they do that. They can, they can do that, right? But I would say that's the exception and not the rule. So bottom line, that's a lot of help. That's a tremendous amount of help for those, again, activities of daily living. So I explain that, and then as part of my, part of my presentation again earlier this week, I, I – always include a price range, kind of the low end of average to the higher end of average. And so let's talk about the pricing models. So the assisted living level of care, again, I think the second most difficult level of care to navigate, part of the reason that it is very difficult is because it's just not a standardized model. And what I mean by that is you have this licensure that drives assisted living, but you have a lot of leeway within that licensure that you could choose to provide really just care on, on the lighter side of things. You can provide care on the heavier side of things and, oh, by the way, everything in between. You can have different pricing structures, different pricing models. It's just not standardized. So let's compare that to long-term care. When you move to long-term care, there's a daily rate, period. They all offer the same thing, and it's very standardized. It's very structured. Now, very clearly, (laughs) some of them deliver much better than others, and some of them are very poor performers. But it is a standardized model. That's the point of it. Assisted living, it's all over the board. 
Some of them will provide a little bit of care, a little bit of support. If you need more than that, you're not a good fit for their, for their community. Some of them will bend over backwards to keep you from having to move to long-term care. Some of them are right down the middle. It's just all over the board. So there's a lot of leeway for the operator to provide a certain amount of help within their licensure. And that also goes for the pricing model. So there are three, and, and that, that's why it's so confusing. I, I was talking to someone and I said, you could go out and talk to 10 different assisted living communities and hear 10 different stories and they're all correct. <laughs> it's just what they do within the category of the level of care of assisted living level of care. And, and, and that's, that's why it's tough. And again, that, that's why so many people contact Senior Care Consulting. They're like, you know what? This is too confusing. You do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we need your help to get through this so that we know we're choosing the absolute best place available for our mom, our dad, my wife, my husband, our family member, our friend, the sweet lady at church that we're all banding together to help. Okay? So, and, and again, and if you need help... Give us a call at Senior Care Consulting. We would be honored to help you and your family and work with you. So back to this pricing model issue. So there, there are three primary pricing models. And the most common pricing model is what I would describe as a base charge plus a level of care charge. So the base charge could be, let's say, $4,200. So let's say it's $4,200, and then, so everyone pays $4,200, let's say, for this one-bedroom apartment. And then you have a what's called a level of care charge over and above that. It could be, it's usually at least three levels of care. Sometimes they may move move that up to maybe five levels of care. That, that That's probably the most common that I've seen, three to five. And so the idea is that if you require just a little bit of help, you will pay less than another resident that requires a tremendous amount of care and using a lot more resources. So it's more of a of a fair or equitable way to uh, to apply that pricing and to cost that out. So how do you determine the level of care? Well, they will conduct an assessment. And they will then start assigning points. So if you need help with your shower, They'll assign some points. If you need hands-on help, that's more points. If you need just standby assistance where they help you get in the shower and then they're just hanging out in there to see if you need any help, that's, that, that's fewer points. If you need points for you know, mobility, assistance to and from dining, you need points for you know A, B, C, and D. It goes on down the road. And then they add up the points, and then that will fit into a level of care one level of care two, level of care three, et cetera, maybe up to five. So let's say that might add, say, $600 per level. So it could be the cost range, 4200 to maybe 7200 So hopefully that makes sense. A base plus a level of care charge is the most common pricing models. And coming up, I will explain the other major assisted living pricing models. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. To contact Steve or a guest on his show, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more coming up.
Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back to the assisted living level of care and then the top three most commonly used pricing models. That first one, again, this is, I think, the most common one of the three. And that's a base plus a level of care. So there's a there's this base charge that includes... Uh, all of the all of all of the big stuff so your housing your food the activities the transportation it goes on and on and on and then if you need help with you know a b c and d they'll do an assessment they'll assign a number of points to each particular activity of daily living that you need help with they add up those points and then they'll fit into a category 1 2 3 possibly up to a four and a five. That usually adds uh, a few hundred dollars to several hundred dollars per level of care. And that's how you get a base plus, you know, four or $500 to, it could add to upwards of $3,000, which would be on the, on the, you know, really on the higher end of it, which brings you to an average cost of assisted living about 4500 to about 7500 would cover I, th- I think the majority of assisted living communities you could definitely spend more than that you might be able to spend a little less than that but that's your there's your average and that's the most common one number 2 this one I'll tell you what my clients with senior care consulting they kind of bark about this one they don't like it <laughs> but uh, it it is it's the most detailed one. It's the most accurate one, I think. So it's called a base charge. There's the base again. So let's say that 4200 4500 whatever it is for, that, say, a one-bedroom apartment. Of course, that base is less for a studio. The base is more for a two-bedroom. Okay, the most common one out there is just a nice little one-bedroom apartment. So you have this base charge plus a la carte. Okay, and this one gets tricky. And again, most of my clients, they, they just don't love this one. <laughs> so you have your base, and then you have a separate charge for every single teeny tiny bit of assistance that you receive. The concept here is that you only pay for exactly what you used or required. And so... For organizations using the base plus a la carte, they just feel like this is the most accurate way to do it. It kind of reminds me of a hospital charging for every Q-tip and every wipe and every glove and and that kind of thing, trying to be accurate when they could probably bundle those things into a a patient care charge and uh, be a little more understandable. But anyway, that's getting way off track. (laughs) So you get this base and then a separate charge for help with your shower. Well, we helped you with your shower three times this week, two times last week, four times the week before, and that is, you know, X dollars. They add on receiving help for getting dressed or undressed. They help medication management. They distribute your medications. There's a charge every single time they do that. Mobility assistance, to and from dining, to and from activities, etc. There's a, there's a charge every single time. 
And here's here's what I've been told. So you you at the end of the month, you get a statement, and it's always a surprise because it's always a little different. And so I, I, there's this base, and then there's this long list of this these a la carte charges. So I've just been told by a lot of people that they feel like they're getting nickeled and dimed, even though that was not the intention of the design of this pricing model. The intention was to show you exactly what you used and 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 show you that you were also only charged for exactly what you needed and used. But <laughs> I've been told, again, at the end of every month, it's an adventure to see what, what, what you're going to get charged for, you know, how many times. And, 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 and what it kind of tends to lead to is an adversarial phone call, <laughs> calling, calling the, the, the senior care community, the, the billing representative or whoever that might be. Well, now, wait a minute. What, what is this? Now, this is different than last month. And it just, I don't know. I just, I just think there's got to be a little better way. I think the base plus the level of care is, is just a lot more comfortable. And if you can capture it that way, I, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a better deal. But you could see that it's one, of the, it's one of the assisted living pricing models, base plus a la carte. And then the favorite one, at least of my clients, they love this one. It's a flat fee per month. It's an all-inclusive $5,200 or $6,350 or whatever the number is. Okay, for, for, and, and that's going to change on, primarily based on the size of your apartment. And then you come in, you move in, and if you need a little bit of help, it's you know, $6,500, say, for example. If you need a lot of help, it's $6,500. So you could look at it this way. If you come in and you're a little lighter on the care spectrum, you get the help that you need. You might be kind of technically overcharged a, a little bit. Then you progress. You need a little more help. And now you're kind of in the middle of that range of care. You're paying about what you should. And then on your length of stay as you're living there, a little bit later on, maybe you're, you're requiring a lot of help. Maybe you're underpaying at that point. But throughout your entire length of stay, they've leveled that out into a flat fee per month. My clients love that because they know whatever they need, it's taken care of. It's easy to budget. It's 6500 bucks, and boom, it's done. Okay, so again, those are the three, the, the primary, the, the top three pricing models of assisted living. Base plus level of care, that's the most common Base plus a la carte, that's probably the least common and maybe the most annoying one, according to a lot of people I've talked to. <laughs> and, and then the flat fee per month, flat fee for service per month. Okay. And then most assisted living communities have what's called a community fee. It's a one-time upfront community fee. Typically, that's 1000 to 3000 I think I saw one the other day at 3500 So let's say 1000 to $3,500. Again, it's a one-time. It's non-refundable upfront. Think of it as an HOA type of a fee, but it doesn't go on every year. It's just a one time upfront fee. It's non-refundable. It helps with community upgrades, landscaping, planting the new garden, common area maintenance, and that kind of thing. And guess what? 
you may run into a great assisted living community out there that does not charge a community fee. There are a lot of places that don't have a fee. But it's pretty common, again, to see that $1,000 to $3,000, maybe $3,500. It's one time up front, and then, and then you're done with that. So hopefully that makes sense. The top three pricing models of assisted living and the community fee. All right, I'm Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Life. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.